lovely to see you all here today. So feel free to take seats if you haven't done already. And um, my name's Christian. And uh, we're in the band great today. Great job. Great job. It says here it's 12.07, so looks like I've finished already. Uh, but we'll, uh, I became a Christian at 22, so about a year ago now. Ish. Um, and before I did, I, I probably sat in um, church um, for, I'll say about six months. And um, people would come on to the front and they would tell all these stories of how they became Christians. And uh, they'd say, I gave my life to the Lord, to the Lord, I gave my life to the Lord. And behold, the room was full of angels and was filled with light and all the rest of it. And so I was like, well, this is quite an amazing experience that all of these people are having. Um, and um, so naturally, when I actually became a Christian, I was very disappointed um, because nothing happened. The room is still the same color and there were no angels. And I spent probably the next four weeks thinking that I wasn't a Christian still. Even though I'd prayed um, and given my life to Jesus, I'd uh, given him my heart, I'd asked for forgiveness, I still thought I wasn't a Christian because, uh, behold, there was no angels. There was nothing that anyone else had said. Um, there was no magic, I guess, was, uh, was the thing that I was thinking. Uh, but after about four weeks, I did notice, this is still thinking I wasn't a Christian, um, that I hadn't stopped using the really bad swear words. That I'd stopped using them. Now, I, I was still swearing, but the really bad ones. You can't believe that, can you? Looking at me now, you're going, yeah, I can't believe you used to swear. But, you know, I still, I still uh, you know, there were the top dollar swear words up here. I used to love swearing. And, um, and I, I, what are you laughing at? I just did. It's just the way it was. So, um, so I just, without even noticing, it, they just stopped. Um, I just stopped using them. And then about a year later, um, I just stopped swearing altogether. I didn't even try on this. Actually, I didn't want to swear anymore. Now, and we'll come back to that in a minute. I didn't go through a whole year not, not thinking I was a Christian. But um, we'll read this. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 onwards says the following, it's a foreshadow of what God's going to do in the future. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out of you your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You will be my people, and I will be your God. When we become, nice biscuit, yeah. <laughs> when we become Christians, God rewires us from the inside. God does a work on us in the inside. He puts in our hearts a, a compass that has Jesus as its true north. And therefore, our desires change. We become a new creation, as it says in 2 Corinthians. And we are filled with a faith, we're filled with a hope, we're filled with a joy, we're filled with a new purpose, we're made righteous, we desire now to worship, we desire to draw close to him, we desire to live right, we desire to be holy, we desire to bless others. This is the heart that's been given to us, okay? You may disagree with that, but that's basically what's, what's happened. On the inside, whether you feel it or not, you've been given this new heart, 
We've got a spirit in you that wants to be generous, that wants to love others. You've got a spirit in you, it says in Galatians 4, 6, that is constantly crying out for a close relationship with Jesus. That's good, isn't it? I don't know if you can feel that right now, but that's it. That's the truth. That's what it says. If you don't believe me, go to Galatians 4, 6. So that's now our joy and our satisfaction. Okay? Relationship, intimate relationship with God is our Massive joy and satisfaction, but so it is to walk with him. So it is to be close to him. So it is to do the right thing, to be holy. That's our heart's passion. But our minds are still playing a bit of a catch upon this. Because it doesn't say we have a lobotomy. It literally says a new heart and a new spirit. It doesn't say a brand new brain, does it? No. So there's something else that takes place within it all. And if we're going to get into the technical term, we're justified the minute we become Christians. But we go through a period of sanctification after that, where step by step by step, we become increasingly like Jesus. Romans 12 verse 2 says the following. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God, I do think the word let is very interesting. Let God transform you. It's God that does all the transforming. All of it. Okay? It's God's power inside of us that does the transforming. It's God's spirit inside of us that does all of the transforming there. And it happens as he changes the way we think. It says in other translations, renews our mind. So, how does that take place? Well, fundamentally, it will happen as we hear him. Fundamentally, it will happen as we slow down each day and let him speak to us. And primarily through his word. The Greek in the phrase there, by the way, literally means the following. As we start, sorry, as we open our mind to something not previously understood. All right, that's it. Open your mind to something not previously understood. So as we start to see things, as we start to understand things differently, a transformation supernaturally occurs on the inside of us. Amen? Okay, so you'll get it. Something happens, and then you read something in the Word. You'll hear God speak to something in the Word, and you are changed from the inside out. Something just goes from here to here, and you go, well, I've read it again and again. It meant nothing to me for years, and now something happens. Now it comes alive on the inside of you, and God makes it flesh. God puts something in there and says, that's what it means. That's how to apply it. That's how it's going to change your life. And that's a journey that we're on all the way through our lives. That's the way we'll go from here on. As, as we hear God, he'll continually put these things in. So there's two main things that take place that I'm going to focus on. There's a lot of things I could focus on. But there's a lot of truth that we need to grab hold of from the word and from listening to him in whatever way we listen to him. But one of the main things, and Val mentioned it in the worship, is truth about God. Who is God? Who is, who is your God will transform, well, it will actually be the perspective in which we see the whole world. Okay? It will actually be that important. It's really easy to think by looking around that God isn't all good. Shocker from the pastor. But it is, isn't it? 
If you were to just look at the world right now, you have to turn the news on right now, it would be really easy to think that God's not all good, that he's not all loving. Because if he was, that there'd be a lot less wars and there'd be a lot more peace. That'd be a lot of people would say that to me right now. They would say, well, how can you believe in a God of love? How can you be a God of goodness when of all of this rubbish that takes place, my life's a mess, etc., etc." Yes, have you ever heard that? Yeah. yeah, okay. So as we think that way, and this is certainly where I was at when I first became a Christian or before I was a Christian, we live a lot less secure. You can't help it because you don't know where you stand. We live with more anxiety, interestingly, because trust becomes much, much harder. It's hard to trust when you're not sure what you, where you stand, and it's, tr- it's hard to put your roots down anywhere. It's hard to have peace when we can't see the way forward. And when I became a Christian, or just before I, was a, I became a Christian, I kind of believed in God, but I, my belief was that he was very indifferent. He was an indifferent God that probably, you know, he was probably up there watching it all on a big TV, but he didn't want to get involved. He wasn't going to answer your prayers. He wasn't going to do anything. He was going to do nothing for you at all. So why bother praying? That was it. All right, you relate to that? Yeah? Because if he was, he would sort this planet out in a, like that. All-powerful God can do what he wants. Some of you are giving me some hard stares at the moment. <laughs> I'm not going to answer any of them questions. That's really bad. But, um, but that's the reality. That's how we can see things really, really easily. And you put the slide up of different perspectives at this moment, please. Okay. So uh, this, this is interesting because some people will look at the world and they'll see a rectangle. All right? You see the rectangle? It's their viewpoint on the world. Some people will look at that and see a circle as well. So you can see that. But the truth is it's a cylinder. Sorry to get mathematical. But that's, that's the way it is. Where we only get to see things through our natural thinking, if you're only looking at things through your natural thinking, then our thinking is very one-dimensional. You will see things just in one dimension. You'll just see things like this. And, and I've seen this happen so many times. Uh, there's wars, therefore God isn't a loving God. That's it. That's your one dimension, straight off. I've made my mind up. The number of people I've met who don't believe in God because of one thing and they've made their mind up in two seconds, is, is that bang there. All right? Just, there's no argument. Oh, it's, just, it's a rectangle. Look, I don't need to discuss this anymore. But God doesn't see things like that, okay? Well, we only see one dimension through natural thinking, and often that's distorted as well. Um, we get to see, or God shows us through the lens of God's word, and we get to see in three dimensions. Does that make sense? Right? So as as God opens up the word to us, as we read the word, as we hear God, we get to see the full picture. We get to see things as they truly are. We get to see our full picture of what it really looks like. And our thinking is cleaned up every time you read the word, every time you hear God. Every time you do that, you'll get to see a cylinder. Well, you get to see a cylinder. You see where I'm going with the parable of the cylinder. But (laughs) that's what you'll get. You'll get that kind of feel of it all. And you will be, we will be transformed because we will see things as they really are. So as one person saying it's a rectangle, another person goes, well, I see a circle. You'll go, no, it's neither really. Yeah, because you'll see what God sees. You'll see it as it truly is. We'll see it and it will impact our hearts and it impacts our minds and it will cause transformation. So as we start looking at life through the lens of the Bible, God supernaturally will open our eyes. 
and we'll see clearly. He'll supernaturally change the way we think, and he'll show us reality. Oh, good grief, how much fake news do we get these days? But God doesn't do fake news, all right? God will show you reality. He'll show you the truth, and we will live differently because of it. He shows us in those situations that he cares with a passion beyond our understanding about everything that is happening on the planet. He will show us how he weeps about how mankind chooses to destroy itself. And whereas we can't understand everything, yet we will get the heart of God and we will get how he feels about everything that is taking place. And that really is crucial with all of these things. The way we think, the way we see God, the way we see all of these things will affect how much we pray. If you think God is not interested, you won't pray much. If you think God's really bothered and is weeping over creation, you'll pray like crazy. Amen? You, you will get that heart of it and you will think, we, we need to pray because God wants to move. So, the more I recognize through reading the word, in, through praying, through listening, that God really does love us and that God is good, the more my changing think. Think. The more my changing think. The more it changed my thinking. I'll get my grammar right yet. But it transformed me, as I was thinking differently, into a far more loving and caring person. That's not what I was like before I became a Christian. But my thinking got changed bit by bit by bit about who God was. Reality comes through the word, not through experience. The second truth I'm just going to mention briefly is the truth about ourselves. So the truth about God is huge, but the truth about ourselves is also huge as well. Bit by bit, God teaches us the reality of who we now are, our true identity in Christ. And that, as well, is one thing that we need to grab hold of, that we're loved, that we're holy, that we're righteous, that we're blameless. All of these truths make a huge difference to the way that we live our lives. God knows absolutely everything. Amen? Okay, good. Everything about you, he knows. Yeah? Okay, that's a bit worrying. But there we are. He knows absolutely everything about you. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Now, get this then. He knows everything that you know about yourself, and he knows everything that you don't know about yourself. <laughs> so there's a whole load of other stuff that we don't know yet about ourselves. There's a whole load of other stuff that we don't get. And he wants to teach us something new today, okay? About ourselves, about who we are in him, about our identity, or about all sorts of other things. Because revelation comes through those things. Transformation comes as we learn something new, as God opens our eyes to something new, as we understand something new. So as we focus on this part of the truth there, then... Find out what is it that you don't know about yourself right now that God does, that he wants to shine his light on, that he wants maybe to deal with, or he wants you to, to allow him to deal with, I should say, because that's the way it is. It's God that does that. All that we know, all that we don't know, and he wants to get involved, and all we need to do is to ask him. He desires to lead us into more truth and out of confusion and out of the lies that we can so easily believe. To shed light on something completely brand new today, 
It's good though, isn't it? Today, you can learn something brand new about yourself. Every day is a little school day. It's good though, isn't it? And God's word here is also very transformational. I mean, it is in all of these. As we meditate on it, and it transforms every single fiber of our being. And it makes us increasingly like Jesus. And it nourishes us, it releases a fresh faith into us, and it helps us to see us as we truly are. It helps us to see our new creation selves, and that's really, really important. When I was, uh, when I was a younger person, believe it or not, I have been younger than I am now, um, I, I got my self-worth, I would say, from what others said about me and from what others thought about me. Um, and so I, I guess if you do that, that will cause you to develop quite a, well, a, a low self-esteem after a while. Well, it does if everyone's saying bad things about you, doesn't it? I suppose if everyone's bigging you up all the time and you feel great. But um, I had probably, I would imagine when I became a Christian, quite a, a low self-esteem, certainly a self-esteem that was based and it fluctuated all over the place. And I masked it in sarcasm. Uh, so that was how I survived, all right? If I would go about and I would be sarcastic, so I, I, that was my barrier, 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 around here because I'd just be sarcastic all the time um, because, you know, I didn't want to get hurt by people's um, barbed comments um, and all the rest of it. Um, so in my 20s, certainly, and onwards, really, I found that my true value was not based on what other people were saying about me. It's not based on other people's opinion. It's so easy to believe what other people say. That's the problem. But my true value was rooted in the fact that Jesus died for me. And the more I meditated on that, the more I came back to that, the more that things changed on the inside. He didn't just die for me. He died for all of us. And this is important. He wanted to have a relationship with us so much that he went through agony to do so. And I keep coming back to this to renew my mind. I keep coming back to this to transform myself I keep going back to this to change my thinking. And uh, speaking out verses over yourself make a huge, huge difference. I am God's masterpiece, created to do good works. Jesus died for, I mean, if John 3.16, God sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall, be, um, sorry, God so loved the world. God so loved me, personalize it. God so loved me that he sent his one and only son. I mean, get hold of that on the inside and speak it out again and again and again. That was important for me because it really emphasized, well, where does my true worth come from? Well, it comes from Jesus. I am as important to God as Jesus. Think about that. Or to the Father. Let's get into the Trinity now. I'm as important to the Father as Jesus is. Yeah? I mean, that's massive. And if you see yourself like that more and more, this might be old news to you guys, but the more you see yourself, it more we don't know what's going on on the inside. And so the, the, if other people's opinions are battering us down, we've got to come back to the truth of what the word says about us. If other people's opinions can make us go, make us react in a sarcastic way, as it was with me, yeah, or make us react in a specific way of which is like, well, I don't need anybody's, and you get all bolshy with it, bolshy-wolshy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can have a laugh. But you get the point. That's, that's how it was. And I, I, I would just kind of like put the defenses up. And if you put your defenses up all the time, then you are reacting and we're reacting in such a way uh, out of a, I will protect this heart and I'll make sure no one goes near it at all. But our value comes from Jesus. 
Our worth comes from Jesus. Our worth comes from the fact that he died for us on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him. And as that happened, as I continued to do that, then I found that I became far less sarcastic over the course of my life. Now, that's not something I could just force. Let's get this right for a second on how sanctification works. I cannot force. I can tell you now, don't, don't be sarcastic. You will find that really hard if you're a sarcastic person. You just didn't work like that. What you need to do is get to the root and find out the root of what it is. What is causing that? And what it was with me was, was low self-esteem. So you let God in on that, and you speak out those verses. And God is the one that does the transforming. Let God transform you. Let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. Coming back to the value that you have because of what's in the word. That never changes. The word of God doesn't change. Other people's opinion will swing back and forth. And this is just one point that I'm making, really, in this. But the value, to come back to the word, come back to the word every single time, because that's solid, every single point. Okay, so this is your homework. You ready? I think I'm preaching next week as well, so I'll check. Um, it's, it, let's ask God to teach something to us new today. All right, that's it. That's easy, isn't it? Just give him a bit of space. We'll do it in the meeting, actually. And let God affect our thinking. Let him in and affect our thinking. Um, because, effectively, our thoughts eventually will become our destiny. Your thoughts will affect your words. Your words will affect your actions. Your actions will affect your character, and your character will become your destiny. Those, that's the way it tends to work. All right? Bit by bit by bit, we get to choose our own futures. We get to choose where we end up going literally on our thoughts. So the more we are listening to God, the more we are in the word primarily, but it doesn't, doesn't have to be just the word, then that will make a huge impact on your life. Okay, it's not the only way only, uh, that God likes to transform. There's another way as well. We actually mentioned the love of God in a previous one. Uh, so we've done um, the renewing of the mind. The next one I'm going to pick up from Galatians 5, verse 16 onwards. And we will hit that, shall we? So I say, let, oh, here we go, the word let again. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, okay, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Romans 6 says you're dead to sin, i.e. the power of sin. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. All right. So let's expand on that a little bit. The Holy Spirit is living inside each and every believer. The Holy Spirit is doing a whole load of prompting. The Holy Spirit is doing a whole load of guiding every single minute of the day and guiding us into all truth. That's his job. Okay? Bit by bit, 
you will find that the Holy Spirit's helping you to know the right way to live. Okay? That's inside of you right now. Right now, there's a prompt, there's a nudge, there's a guide take, telling you bit by bit how to live, the best way to live. Do this, don't do that, and all the rest of it. Now, it won't be like a big now noise. It doesn't work like that a lot of the time, but we'll expound on this a little bit to, uh, to recognize it. But it doesn't just give you the desire. It gives you the power to live righteously. Make sense? Now, that's crucial. If I send you out of here thinking, right, I need to live like this, then I immediately legalize the whole gospel, and you've just become, it becomes really, really difficult. The Spirit of God has been given to us to have the desire and the power to live for him. That is huge. Again, massive, massive thing. We need to grab hold of the fact that it's God in us that does all the hard work. It's not us trying our hardest to please God. It's us letting God, it's letting the Holy Spirit be obedient to these nudges, being obedient to these prompts. So how do we recognize them? So this will come like a an inner voice, an inner nudge, an inner conviction to stop doing something or maybe to start doing something. All right? Now, some of you will have had this experience before, but some of you will be thinking, what on earth is this? But it could be a, a, a habit. It could be a lifestyle. It could be a one-off event. It could be anything. And you just get a little, mm, maybe I should be doing that. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. There's be a thing inside of you. It could be a positive thing to move out and speak to somebody could be uh, to do good for somebody. It could be to commence a more holy way of living. You think, yeah, I need to grab hold of that. And it will come in an inspirational way. Okay? Even if God is saying, I want you to leave that alone, there'll be an inspiration behind it that goes, yes, I'm going to do that, and I want to do that. Does that make sense? There'll be something inside that goes, that's the right way to live. There'll be something inside that picks you up and goes, that's correct. I'm going that way. And it happens very regularly, probably more than we recognize. And so it's something that I wanted to just major on now to say, well, let's just be aware of that voice. Let's be aware of those nudges. I used to, uh, when I was a maths teacher, um, I used to, we used to put about 12 of us in the staff room, and I'd, I'd launch into a story, which I thought was a really funny story. Um, and then partway through, this was a regular thing for me, partway through, I'd feel this nudge inside, where I, I knew it was God, but it would be like, don't carry on with this. And I'd be like, and I had a choice at that moment. I was like, my mind would do this very, very quick calculation. It'd be like, look, there's nothing wrong with this. I can't think of anything wrong with this story. It's not unrighteous. Um, and it's fun. And I'm going to look stupid if I just stop halfway through a story as well. That's going to look ridiculous. So I, I have a choice then to, to look stupid um, or, or to carry on with the story. So, um, so at first, I just carried on with the story. I just be like, blah, 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 you know, I don't know any of them now. But I carried on with the story. Everyone would laugh, and I'd feel rubbish because immediately I'd be going, "Oh man, I just made that person look really bad," and I didn't know that was coming, and and that would be one of those experiences. So part way through, part way through this, I would get this nudge again, and I'd go, "Oh, we'll leave that." And I, <laughs> Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, yeah. And you've got 12 people looking at you going, go on, go on, what's it? It's all right, no, actually, no, it's, no, we'll leave, we'll leave that alone because, yeah. Because, like, you know, well, you know the convicting of the Holy Spirit? No, you don't. Uh, well, get a nudge. No, you don't get that. 
So, so you just have to look a complete and utter stupid person by, by doing it. But in the end, you learn to listen to that voice. In the end, you learn to listen to that nudge that goes, no. Because you go, well, even then afterwards, I was like, well, what on earth was wrong with that? And then you go, oh, hang on a minute, yes, that would have meant that that was... And you start to notice, because by our words, we make a massive impact on our atmosphere. And so what was coming out of my mouth was not always pleasant for the atmosphere, shall we say. And usually, if I'd have gone on with the story, someone else would have gone on and, and really brought someone else's character down. So I learned to, to listen to those nudges. And it happens a lot. It happens all the time. I'm not saying that was just it and I'm now sorted out with this. Only a few weeks ago I was talking to somebody and um, I got all the way through the story feeling pretty pleased with myself. Um, and, um, and then straight afterwards I was like, oh good grief, I just did a whole load of bleating and complaining all, all under the guise of I'm trying to help this person. And, and you, you kind of like go, all I did then really inside my motive, my motive was to complain, but I did it under a banner of, this is guidance and help for you. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit was like, you didn't do that to help that person. You did that so you can have a good complaint. And I'm like, yeah. And so it's, it's knowing those nudges. It's getting familiar with these, with these things because um, the more we get familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more we will walk like Jesus. Okay, the more we'll walk in peace. The fruit of the Spirit isn't going to come out on there, but the more you will actually, if you look in Galatians 5, where this all came from, um, it's full of the fruit of the Spirit. So it, the, slightly after this, where it's being saying led by the Spirit, we'll say the fruit of the Spirit, i.e. the fruit of being led by him, is peace, it's love, it's joy, it's patience, it's all of these things that we want, and those fruits, or fruit really technically, is a, as a lifestyle of being led by him. It's our lifestyle that we're called to live. So... This freedom that we're called into is a freedom that's ours when we're led by that voice. And being led by that voice and being empowered by that voice is far better than what are the rules of Christianity? I'll just try and live by them. Amen? Call to a life of freedom where our lives will be more and more sanctified rather than a life of regulations, if you like, where we're supposed to do all of these things and all by our own strength. It's never been the way it was supposed to be. Okay, so as I've said again and again, it's God who gives us the desire and power to do this. But bit by bit, we'll get transformed as we do. As we allow the Holy Spirit to move in us, people around us will notice the difference. Okay, not just when you're looking stupid in a staff room, because that's not a great way to look. But I have seen this in every job I've done. Uh, where I've had work colleagues have come to church because they've seen me handle high-pressure situations. I can't count these work colleagues here because like, they're my staff members now. But <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Sally didn't come to church because... <laughs> but before I was a pastor, um, every job I've done, people have come to work. People have come to work. Yeah, they had to. They were being paid. People have come to church because they've seen how I handle high-pressure situations. They've seen it, and they've seen everyone else melt around me, and they've seen people, and they've seen me displaying the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, the strength of God inside of us 
can handle anything. Amen? So at that particular point, when we're in the real fire of it all, if people see how you handle that, they'll be inquisitive, they'll be curious. And there were so many people that um, were very inquisitive right the way through um, in, in all of those times, some fantastic conversations all the way through my, uh, my working career. Um, so remember those things, because we're called to go out and make disciples. We're called to go out and shine the truth of the gospel. We're called to go out to make friends and to intentionally build, to intentionally transform our communities around us. And as we rely on the power of God, that's exactly what we'll do. Amen? Amen.